Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, told any kind of jokes or humorous statements or given those. And, and again, I'm thankful that some of you give me these things. And these, this came to me a while back. A couple of things about um, marriage. So, uh, it says that when a man opens the door for his wife, it's either a new car or a new wife. <laughs> I opened the door for you yesterday, didn't I? I did. We're coming on 25 years before long. Uh, quote from Winston Churchill. It says, my most brilliant achievement was my ability to persuade my wife to marry me. From Socrates, by all means marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> uh, a couple more, we'll get those in the days ahead. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, we'll be in verses 12 through 20 today. And you see the, uh, on the screen the title, What Happened to Your Joy. And that's, uh, we're going to zero in on that this morning. Follow along as I read here. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. If you noticed, starting there with verse 12, from what we have read earlier from the book of Galatians, Paul's attitude had drastically changed. The anger and the disbelief are now gone. His doctoral teachings are not there, but he gives us a personal note. Here's a, a word that, that from, is very personal in nature. If I can say it this way, he's gone from the teacher-preacher to a friend who's pouring his heart out to those who are listening to him. He's deeply concerned about them, and he wants to encourage them. 
And if I could put this in simple words, what he is saying here is, I care more for you than I can put into words. Up until now, Paul has been pleading with the people and telling the people that salvation is by grace. That salvation does not depend upon uh, what a person does or anything to do with works or religion or keeping of laws. Or, but salvation came because by grace, God sent Jesus to die on a cross to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Let me take a time out here. Middle of a introduction. When that truth is clearly understood, the truth that we're saved by grace, by what Jesus did on the cross, any of the people there in the churches of Galatia, any of the people in this cornerstone here this morning, when we really grasp that truth, it changes us. It changes us, and oh, how it changes who we are. Knowing that my salvation is not dependent upon me or anything I do, that my salvation has been settled, what a deep contentment and peace that comes over us. And when that happens, we get joy. We have joy. And it's a joy that knows that all is well. Not that all is perfect, but that all is well. So here Paul, in a very personal way, expresses his deep love for these church members. And so he says, where is your joy? What has happened to your joy? That part of it, your Christian experience that has lifted you above the routine, above just going about the motions, the ordinary life, what has happened to that? In our life, we can lose our joy. That happens when we get off track in our journey. It can happen because of sin. It can be happen because we do turn back to legalism as these church members were tempted to do. And when that happens, the first thing that goes is our joy. That deep-seated contentment and, and excitement in our faith. And if you're a Christian here today, you, you understand that. You might have already lost your joy for some reason or, some, or other, and I trust that the Lord helps you get through that today. But th that joy we have that doesn't change no matter what the world throws at us. We live in a world that people are getting meaner and nastier all the time. Hateful attitudes and actions. Well, can I just say it this way simply? When a person is that way, it's because there's no joy inside them. It's because they're miserable and, and hateful inside and it's just working its way out in some kind of expression. I've been pastor here for 13 years. Almost 13 years. Officially started in November. I preached my first sermon here 13 years ago last Sunday, second Sunday of September. I didn't mention that last week. Uh, 
when I announced my retirement, but I've, I've been here 13 years, and, and we have Brother Steve behind me, and we have other people who've served in the pastorate in, in our church here, and, and one of the things that hurts you the most is when a church member leaves the church. When they go out the door, and some will tell you to their face, Pastor, I, we just uh, it's time for us to move on. We're sorry, but it's time to move on, and that hurts deeply. And some just no longer show up any longer. They don't say anything to you. They just are gone. You miss they, well, Sunday after Sunday. But there's some people that have come to Cornerstone. Who expressed a meanness about them, a hatred about them. Never were satisfied with anything. And I've noticed, and I love this about Cornerstone. I say it in all due respect. I love this about Cornerstone. They don't last long here. That's because we as a church body, and this is why Cornerstone is unique. We are people who love the Lord, who love serving the Lord. We are joyful in our Christianity and expressing that. And there is that outward sign that we are content in our Christianity. And people who are miserable don't like being around us. And I'm going to say this, and I'd say this in a nice way, but there was a particular individual who left church, joined one down the street where one of my pastor friends was a pastor, and I said to him one day, I said, I sure feel sorry for you because so-and-so came back to your church. He says, I'm just thankful they don't come very often. <laughs> that meanness and that hatred comes out, and, and because we are a loving body, and because we are a fellowship of like-minded believers who have a contentment, have a peace, and have a joy in our heart. Those kind of people just aren't happy here, and they leave. Well, Paul loved this church so much that he wanted these people to understand that the direction they were going was robbing them of their joy that they should have, and all Christians should have, and the church should have. Now, over and over again, people who don't like Paul's writings will tell us Paul was harsh, but you know, when you look at Paul's life, he was a man who was passionate. He was passionate about the truth. He was passionate about standings for the gospel. He was passionate about warning of the dangers of falling away from the truth. He was a man who was passionate that Christians would miss the trash that the world can bring into one's life. He wanted them to miss the hurts that the world had. And... and, and Paul was passionate about people being born again and, and, and having a wonderful Christian life. He was passionate about them having a joy in their life because they had that relationship with Christ and there was nothing in the way. And, and, and if that means he's harsh or seems to be harsh, it is not because that is what the most loving thing you can do is to let people know that there's danger ahead. There's danger in sin. There's danger in legalism. And if you want that joy that you should have and had at one time in your Christian life, you need to follow Jesus and follow Him by grace and grace alone. Paul had no desire to compromise with sin or evil. And so those who wanted to keep their pet sins saw Paul as a man who was, didn't show love, as being harsh and being hard on people. But he was just acting in love. 
trying to persuade them to follow Christ. When we look at our text here this morning, you notice Paul tells how he ended up there in the province of Galatia. It was due to some kind of an illness. And in the midst of that, Paul found the opportunity to preach Jesus. Paul had one reason for living once he met Jesus Christ. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I picked out a life verse for him. I can't prove it's his or not, but over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, he says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. He was excited about the fact that he could preach the gospel wherever he was. In fact, he even says there in verse 12, I want you to become like me. And I believe what he's saying there, become like me and that you reject the legalism that's being pushed upon you. That you accept the fact that you're free in Christ. That you're free from all those outward symbols and rituals. And in fact, uh, earlier in chapter 2, verse 19, it says, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul did everything morally and ethically he could to teach the gospel and preach the gospel. These believers here in the churches of Galatia left things behind when they turned to follow Christ. Laws and traditions. Paul's purpose was to win men and women to Christ. And so Paul became involved in their lives. Now, he didn't get involved in their sins, but he got involved in their lives. If Paul was with us today, he would be coaching a little league team possibly. Or he'd join uh, the Moose Club or, or, or the whatever the civic clubs are around here today. Paul would be involved with people at work. He would be out at the ball games. He would be coaching little league. He would be doing whatever he could to get involved in people's lives so he could witness for them. Can I say this to us today that you and I need to be looking for ways to tell people about Jesus? That's what the study has been on Sunday night over at Steve's house on how to give away your faith. We, we should be looking for opportunities. Our prayer life ought to be something like this, or at least part of our prayer life ought to be something like this. Lord, open doors of opportunity so I can share Jesus with somebody. Bring somebody into my life who needs you that I can share the gospel with, that I can tell them about Jesus and what he can do in their life. Lord, lift, let me proclaim you and your name in front of people. There was a little verse or course, I don't know if any of you have ever heard it, that we sang when I was a youngster at my home church. And I'm going back a lot of years when I say that. And I don't know if I have the words correct here, but the, we did this at, at the end of service very often. And it went on something like this is the way I remember. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I always do my part to win that soul for thee. We sang that time and time again when I was yay high at my home church. Paul here 
first preached the gospel because of some illness that he had. We know from the text here that they received him with open arms and loved him. And it was under extreme circumstances, if I read the text correctly. He had some sickness, some illness. Either he went there to recuperate, he got sick while he was there, we don't know. There are many people who speculate what his problems physically were, we don't know. Actually, I think the text here gives me the idea that it might have been some kind of an eye problem because he talks about that you would have given me your eyes. And, and he ends the book of Galatians with his own handwriting. It says, and see what large letters I use as I write to you in my own hand. It, the, the scribe was no longer taking the, the notes that he wrote this, when this book was written. He, so assumption might be that he had ill problems. It doesn't matter. But it was serious. But the point I really want to make here is that that illness did not stop him from preaching the gospel and teaching people about Jesus Christ. They accepted the gospel from Paul as in the midst of his illness. That illness was a trial to them. By the way, second time out today. That's fire me. That's two times in one day. The question is often asked about Paul. Why did God not heal him? And the standard answer is, he didn't have enough faith. And to that, my response is, baloney. Over in Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 12, Paul raised a young man to life who had fallen asleep during one of his sermons. He had long sermons, folks. Fell out a window and died. Paul had enough faith to bring that back, I think that's a good bit amount of faith, don't you reckon? What we need to understand is that there is a higher calling, a higher purpose in our life than being physically well. Take your problems and use them as an opportunity to share Jesus. Use that trial. Use that heartache. Use that hardship. Because God uses illnesses. You and I can reach people because of something that has happened to us in a negative fashion physically. The Lord uses illnesses to, to discipline us at times. He teaches us through illness that we need to depend upon Christ. It, we're all aware of Paul's thorn in the flesh that he talks about over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But let me read some of the verses here, starting with verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited. You hear that? To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, there was given to me thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's powerful words, isn't it? Because of physical difficulties, because of hardships, because of things that come into our life that make us uncomfortable, God uses that to teach us, to encourage us, and to let us know we have to depend on him every single day because we need his power in our life. Well, after he talked to them about the fact why he ended up there in Galatia, he talks about the joy. Can I say it this way? What happened to you? He said, you started out very well, but what happened to you? How come your joy is gone? Why did you lose your joy? Ever lose your joy? Don't, don't raise your hand, please. You ever experience that in your life? You see, you can lose your joy if you go back to legalism. You can lose your joy if you allow some sin to come into your life to, to dominate you. You can start doubting your salvation even at times in your life. The influence of the Judaizers there at that church was destroying their joy. They, they started accepting a gospel of legalism, if I can put it that way. They stopped believing in salvation by grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone. Those Judaizers had come in and influenced the church and they were to the point they really didn't like what Paul was saying. Paul kind of became an, an enemy of theirs. Legalism stole their joy. At one time, their, their hearts were, were full of joy. They showed up with, with excitement on their face. There was a glow about them. There was a, a spring in their step. They had a peace that passed all understanding because of their relationship with Christ. But legal... Ism came in and traditions came back and they started trying to keep the law and obey the law out of duty and, and they became miserable and unhappy. Have you ever served a church in a capacity out of duty instead of out of joy? Don't, don't, again, don't raise your hand. I, I mentioned earlier that uh, the nominating committee has some sheets of paper outside for committees and areas of service for the church for the new coming year. But if you serve the Lord out of duty, you're not going to do a good job. You're going to be miserable doing it. You're going to be grumpy and unhappy. But what should motivate us to serve, to be on some kind of committee to, to work within the church, is that we love the Lord. And that we have that relationship with Him and, and, and serving Him out of love makes all the difference in the world. Because being a Christian is not observing a certain set of rules and regulations to follow. It's a relationship with Christ. It's a love relationship. Knowing that our Savior died on that cross for me and in my place, literally. And that when we ask Him to come be our Lord and Savior, He starts cleaning up our life and, and transforming our lives. Christianity, as Paul says here in this book, takes a person out of bondage into freedom. 
and, and that gives us joy. Knowing that we're forgiven brings us joy. Knowing that we no longer stand condemned brings us joy. Knowing that heaven's our ultimate home brings us joy. And that truth was becoming, making Paul an enemy. The Judaizers had convinced the, the churches there at Galatia that Paul really wasn't a true apostle and that the gospel of grace was just not enough. And legalism started looking attractive to him. And Paul now became an enemy. You realize there are many preachers who tickled their congregation ears. They love it until they start talking about sin and what God wants in their life and how he wants them to change. And they quickly can change from, we love you, pastor, to, pastor, there's the door. Telling the truth, you can make an enemy. The truth sets a person free. Enables us to grow. And our lives are changed. That, that's why the Bible has been central to my preaching and teaching here. I learned a long time ago, I have opinions. And as my daddy would say, they're worth a plug nickel. What God has to say has eternal value. And we need to listen to him. Paul's preaching, his motive was pure. Those Judaizers were trying to change the church, but Paul's motive was to get rid of legalism because he knew they would lose their witness. Paul's motive in preaching the gospel was so that a life would be changed and they have a relationship with Christ. And Paul was warning about the Judaizers. Not because he was opposed to them, but he was opposed to their message because they stood against the truth. Judaizers wanted to mess up their lives. Much like the cults in our world today do. Your life gets messed up through legalism or some sort. We become useless to Christ because we've lost our testimony. Paul here ends by saying in these verses that I'm a parent and it looks like I'm going through childbirth all over again. He's, he's, has this child who's going the wrong direction and, and it's breaking his heart. And he says, it seems like I have to start all over again. I have to go through birth pains again for you. But he's really just perplexed. He doesn't understand why they would go that direction, why they would lose their joy, why they would lose their peace and what they knew they had in Christ. He wanted them to just grow up and be mature in Christ. Sort of like he says over in Romans 8.29, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. People need to see Jesus in us, folks. They need to see the joy in our life. They need to see the gleam in our eye. They need to see the spring in our step because we have a relationship with Christ. And the, and the, and the adversities of life and the difficulties of life do not change that joy. Paul couldn't understand how this church could so quickly turn from the gospel of grace and go back to legalism. And in doing so, they lost their joy. 
So I want to close today by asking a couple questions. First of all, this question. Do you know for certain if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Because Jesus came into this world, died on a cross, so that you and I can know that. If you don't know that, you need to come when we give the invitation. Talk to me or when a Sunday school teacher or deacon. It doesn't have to be me. But if you don't know for sure, if you would die today, you'd go to heaven. You need to get that settled. And here's the next question. If you know heaven's your home, let me ask you a question. Have you lost your joy? Has something come into your life? Going back to rules and regulations, legalism, some sin come in to disrupt you? Have you lost your joy? The solution to that is quite easy. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you if it's sin, to have your victory over that sin. And if you're going back to some kind of rules and regulation or religion, they again ask for forgiveness and trust Jesus and His grace for you alone. Song of invitation, Brother Steve, what is it? I don't have it in front of me. Jesus is tenderly called. Shall we stand? And if the Lord has spoken to you today, I encourage you to step out of the pew and do what he's asking you to do. Sunshine.